Welcome to Healthcare Rounds. I'm your host, John Marchica, CEO of Darwin Research Group and faculty associate at the Arizona State University College of Health Solutions. Here we explore the vast and rapidly evolving healthcare ecosystem with leaders across the spectrum of healthcare delivery. Our goal is to promote ideas that advance the quadruple aim, including improving the patient experience, improving the health of populations, lowering the cost of care, and attaining joy in work. Please send your questions, comments, or ideas for Healthcare Rounds to podcast at darwinresearch.com. And if you like what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get started. Dr. Haitham Hassoun is the Vice President and Medical Director for Cedars-Sinai International in Los Angeles, California. He previously served as Global Medical Director for Johns Hopkins Medicine and was an Associate Professor in the Department of Surgery at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Dr. Hassoun has a wealth of experience in international patient services, global collaborations, and health system development. He was instrumental in the creation of Johns Hopkins Aramco Healthcare, a joint venture between Saudi Aramco and Johns Hopkins Medicine, as well as a number of other institutional management and affiliation agreements throughout the Middle East and Asia. Currently, he aims to expand the global footprint of Cedar sinai Dr. Hassoun maintains a clinical practice in vascular and endovascular surgery, and he continues to educate and research in a variety of topics related to global collaborative healthcare and academic medicine. He completed his fellowship training in vascular and endovascular surgery at Northwestern University in Chicago and earned his medical degree at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. So last time, welcome back, uh, Dr. Hassoun. Welcome back to the pod. Uh, Last time... We talked, it was pre-COVID, like mid-19, something like that. Um, so I th- tell, tell just a, a little bit about your background for those who might not have heard the, the first one. And, and I think I think you and I first met when you were at, at Hopkins. Yeah. Thanks, John. It's good to be with you again, always to, to chat. And, um, you know, at the last time we spoke, I had, was pretty fresh here at Cedars-Sinai and trying to find my way around and uh you know it's been four years and it's been a really exciting four years uh professionally and personally uh, here in los angeles for me having said that we can't run from the fact that it's been a challenging time uh locally nationally globally in so many different dimensions um but it's also a time of opportunity so uh, my background is uh you know I'm, i'm still a practicing vascular surgeon um, I don't do a lot of clinical care, um, but um, I'm on the, the team here as a professor of surgery at Cedar sinai um, And uh, my role at the institution is, is an exec, hospital executive as a vice president overseeing international. Um, we don't have a separate entity uh, like a Johns Hopkins International where I was before, um, but it would be similar to the role that the president of Johns Hopkins International would, would take. And uh, fundamentally uh, focused around um, growing everything that's global about Cedar sinai including patients who come here from over 100 countries, and uh, also developing our um, relationships around the world to drive the patient services business, but also to build new collaborations and new revenue streams, um, u- utilizing our, our talent and expertise across the enterprise. So. I'm sure we'll dive more into that, but uh, yeah. we've been busy at, at growing the team here, and it's been really exciting. Well, yeah, and I was just going to 
I don't want to repeat ground that we covered last time. So I've got a bunch of new questions, but I did want um, you to just take a moment and give sort of um, give people a framework for understanding international medicine in the context of, of Cedars-Sinai. I mean, you talked a little bit about procedures and, and potentially partnerships, but how else should we be thinking about that? Well, look, I think if I if I go sort of uh, maybe on the soft side or subjective side of this, I think each uh, I, I represent we're representing uh, U.S. academic medical centers um, and uh, globally. And, and I think for each institution, that could mean so many different things. Uh, the movement of patients across borders. And for that matter, the movement of providers to learn and train and develop their own skill sets across borders have existed, you know, as long as we could probably recount historically. Um, it's not something new, um, it's certainly, but I think I, I tend to put the, the, the focus in on sort of the more, let's just say this century or the past 20 to 30 years of the turn of this past century and, and, driven largely in a, in a structured way, some of the top U.S. hospitals recognizing that international patients that, that seek our services um, are different than your local population. And sure, you could take a very minimalistic approach and say, or the bare bones, it's like, okay, well, who's paying for them? They don't come with insurance. They might be self-pay. The government might be paying from their countries. How do you price that? There's no contracts. So all of a sudden, you develop a team that's trying to manage the uh, sort of the payer side of things, but also they need a lot of help with the language access, care coordination, and all these things. All that's part of this modern international patient services that that um, you know a lot of hospitals uh, are in that game, so to speak. Um, you know, I think more narrowly, and there are a few, and I, I don't want to you know kind of leave those out, but we know the few that are most active have been. Johns Hopkins, Cleveland Clinic, maybe Mayo, um, you know, building a reputation or, or leveraging their reputation um, and their existing patient services to begin to do transnational contract-based uh, knowledge transfer activities, whether it's education and training in a simplistic way, whether it's sort of um, focused strategic collaborations, but I think the ones we've come to understand and know more are these institutional hospital affiliations or maybe use of name. There's certainly a lot of knowledge transfer and, and, and management related activities in those. Um, and, and I think it's, it's um, that space that has kind of really brought the full 360 around what we call inter modern global healthcare international uh, as it relates to sort of the U.S. hospitals and ac major academic centers, I mean, it runs in parallel to global health. And global health really is born out of schools of medicine, schools of nursing, and, and really schools of public health, where you're really looking at the study of and the practice of kind of healthcare um, in different parts of the world from a systematic basis. And the main difference I see is a focus on low middle income countries versus maybe the developing or emerging economies, especially when globalization was a hot thing or hot topic, right, 10, 15 years ago. Um, I think global health is more focused around, you know, how can we get either foundation or governments or third party funding 
to enhance the delivery of care utilizing some expertise in country A with the uh, reception in, in country B and that kind of paradigm. The, the, we look at it differently from a, from a hospital setting. We're really looking for business opportunities and opportunities to bring the highest quality, best experience, high touch care. Um, and how do we help this mostly private, but not entirely, also government-based hospitals um, develop and, and enhance and, and become great. And we, we do our best to do that. In the process, it becomes a mutual relationship, business transaction. So you mentioned Hopkins, Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, um, very competitive area of medicine, I would imagine, uh, competing for those dollars. So how do you distinguish your program against, I mean, of course, you've got a great name at Cedars-Sinai, but I mean, those are some really marquee worldwide brands. Well, you know, I, I grew up in the Hopkins sort of medicine enterprise. Um, I understand very well what that represents, what they bring, not only locally to the community in Baltimore and what it means um, to that community, but also what it means to modern medicine, having been at the, you know, development of, of training of, of doctors as we know it today and, and far more than that, you know, going back over 100 years ago. Um, I, I think Cedars-Sinai is a different, I think we're all focused on the same thing, which is how can we push modern medicine and lead it? And, and that that is anchored in research, it's anchored in, um, you know, uh, quality and understanding of in data and quality and understanding how to get the best outcomes and how to, how to also, you know, in a more modern way, create the best experience for our customers or our patients. I mean, that's the viewpoint, right? And I think Cedar sinai is a little different. We come at it differently. Our ethos is different. Our origins are different. We're a community hospital born in West LA, um, you know, and it's a, it has a spiritual, um, you know, sort of origins and very tied to the Jewish faith. But um, I've also worked at Methodist in Houston and spent a lot of time in my career in the Texas Medical Center. And there it's Methodist is at a, is a Christian sort of faith-based organization. We have many United States constantly have to explain to people around the world why it is. I, I guess I really don't, couldn't give a one answer. It's just that, you know, why that is. I'm not a historian on that. But we do know that, you know, our model of nonprofit uh, healthcare systems, um, tying academics and teaching into the clinical care into academic medical centers i think we do it in a in a most unique way in the united states it has its warts it's not perfect but um you know my viewpoint is at the end of the day we are um, at the cutting edge and if, if if you're someone who has a cancer heart problem any type of uh, major chronic disease um and and maybe I don't know what the percent would be, 80, 90 plus percent of the time you can go to your local hospital, um, whether you're in Mumbai or whether you're in Bangkok or you're in Dubai or Mexico City, and you're probably going to receive some fantastic care uh, based on your needs. But there are um, certain diseases or certain programs um, where and patients may just choose to want to come to the United States and. You know, I do think they'll get the best that modern medicine has to offer in our hospitals. Um, albeit, we don't have a standard currency for healthcare. It's a big challenge. 
And so, you know, it's a very um, expensive venture for anyone to come and receive their care in our hospitals. When you come out of this system, you know, if you're coming from a whole different um, system into it. Um, but for those brave folks who do come um, leaving home, I say brave because I mean that really uh, literally it's difficult to leave your home environment and your comfort zone, um, whether yourself or your family and go and receive care. Um, I do think that we work uh, as hard as we can to close any gaps that might exist um, and, and to make them feel at home and to really, um, you know, put them at the center. And I talk about the patients because I think even when we get into the business of international programs, um, you know, our knowledge and we love to share our knowledge and we get into accreditation and quality and process, none of that, um, all of that, in my view, if you want to, you know, what we're trying to do at Cedar Sinai International is to um, make sure that patient patient care stays at the center of that. And, you know, you might build this global services enterprise and it's housed and international, um, but we, we try to keep it as close um, and about taking care of patients from those, those communities, wherever it might be, whether we're in Qatar, where we are now in China, uh, Indonesia, Ecuador, you know, I think we, we keep our relationships focused around how we can best bring access to care closest to the patients. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of detail that goes into that, how we, how we do that, but it's a, it's a principle we adhere to. So it's my impression that not all, but that many uh, of your patients that come to you um, have an affluent you know, come from an affluent background. Um, but yet at the same time, so much in healthcare is kind of trending towards this value-based care, value-based care model. So I'm just curious if that that value world has touched your area in international. Well, I'll tell you, it, it, I, one thing I've learned in this business is it, 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 it doesn't, it's like a human nature, I think. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, when it comes down to price tags for healthcare services, it's a it's a it's a uncomfortable place, and I think that um, everyone is going to negotiate that price tag. And I and I put price tags. I think that's a that's a surrogate for value. You know, it doesn't matter whether I can afford it or not. I'm looking for good value of what I'm spending my money on. Sure. And um, I think any good businessman or any you know billionaires or 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 whatnot would. They all understand that very well, I'm quite certain. So I think moving away from, from that aspect, um, you know, I think uh, we try to create value in, from a financial aspect is I'm very interested in being at the head of the curve and creating price tags for episodes of care, or bundled payments. And I think international and, and premium services is a space where we do that because we have self-pay people are coming in and you've got to manage that risk and project what the outcomes uh, would be. Um, it's not just the insurance company or third-party payer or a government that's footing the bill. Sure. We we embrace that. I think for a lot of international programs, they, it, it's not a fun space to be, which is those inquiries for care, those cries for help that come from all over the world, and many of them are self-pay um, because it's a very tricky space to to be in. You, you don't want to um, you know deny access to care for people who can't afford it. Most people probably are not going to be, you know, they're reaching out to multiple hospitals, they're looking for help. 
I think we embrace that, we put a lot of effort, resource, and understand. We monitor our, our conversion rates, our inquiries. We put effort towards that. We try to, um, we're on a very early in the journey, but in my view, our global collaborations, our hospital affiliations, again, it's a bit of the getting back to the putting the patients at the center. We try to create relationships where you create a network. Now, may not, we may not own all those assets, but we're trying to create a global network of peer um, institutions, peer physicians, peer programs, where we think there's quality uh, based on our knowledge and our experience and try to steer patients to the right place for them. And so I have, we have strong ties in Turkey, Korea, Thailand. We may not have, um, you know, like affiliations or own hospitals there, but for sure we put an effort to build those relationships. And, you know, those are very, I've, I've mentioned those three countries and they're not the only ones I can go on a list that are just have fantastic medical travel um, culture and infrastructure from the government level, the regulatory to the payer level, to the hospital and private sector. And, you know, I think that um, we share a spirit of trying to, you know, not everywhere you can find that. And so you you need to have these regional partners that can be a place where you can refer someone who needs a heart valve or, you know, needs advanced cancer uh, treatment, and they're not going to make it to L.A. I think in time, we, we sure, I would love to, um, you know, that we had owned assets or partnerships or JVs or what have you in all these different spaces. Um, and, you know, like I said, we're early in that journey, but that's that's my vision that Cedars-Sinai truly would have. You know, we won't go it alone. Maybe we're not quite Cleveland Clinic, you know, building hospitals in London. And, you know, I, I, I'm just so impressed with what they do. I think it's amazing. Um, I'm an outsider. I've never worked there. I have good friends and colleagues. But I, I think our view is a little bit different, that we're looking for um, strong partnerships. And it comes in many ways to create that. Um, so that at the end of the day, our, the, the, you know, we want to be able to um, steer people who reach out to us, who, who are part of the Cedars-Sinai family in some way, to the best care they can get at a, at a, at a, at a value point and a price that makes sense for them and their family. So thinking about, because you just answered one of my questions, which is about those partnerships and collaborations, how do you, I, I can imagine it seems like the possibilities are endless. So how do you make the strategic decisions as to what countries or what facilities to try to partner with? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, honestly, it, it's, it's uh, we start in a, in a simple way and then we try to build off of that. And I think you have to look at what is the market demand um, sort of out there globally and then what is what we see in our hospital traditionally over the years? And actually, oddly enough, I mean, I do start again at the, our patient services, you know, patients that are coming to us, where they come from, where is our affinity? We don't look totally different than East, I say East Coast, I'm, I'm now, I, <laughs> look, I'm from all over. I, I consider myself a Texan from Houston. I've spent so much of my life at Hopkins in Baltimore and boarding school in Pennsylvania. So an East Coast guy. I now live in LA. I'm a, I don't know what I am, but I, what I know is out here, we say anything, that side of the Mississippi is like East Coast. So, right. so I, I think those Mayo and, and, and gosh, and now that I got that, I'm not sure which side of the Mississippi they're at, but Cleveland Clinic and Hopkins and all of that is East Coast. I, I think we don't look that different. You know, people think that we're totally Pacific Rim facing. That's not that's not true. Our patients 
come from these uh, all U.S. major hospitals. I think you got to start with our neighboring countries for different reasons. So I, from Canada and Mexico, uh, you, you always probably will and have had patients that come to us uh, to the United States for care because of the proximity and then for different reasons, probably from each of those countries. Um, so we get a lot of patients from our neighboring countries. Uh, I think we're anchored in the, the resource and oil rich countries of the Gulf, young countries that have the resource that the government subsidizes care for its citizens um, as an extension of the provision of health care that they promised to them. They have great hospitals there that are getting better and better. So UAE, uh, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. Um, and so that, that's an important part of, of, of really what you see in international programs, whether you're at Hopkins or at Cedars-Sinai. Um, I think China and all of its complexity today, and even Russia for that matter, have are, these are countries that over the past 20 years or so had been emerging and there's a wealth there and the patients are accessing healthcare and if you go, and I have been, and I, uh, I have uh, not practiced, but I, I've been in those hospitals. I really have good colleagues. I understand the practice in, in, a, in a government or private hospital in China and different cities. I understand it in Moscow. I've been there. I've seen how they practice. It's very different than what it feels like for us. And I can see how if you're a patient and, and, and you have access to um, European or U.S. hospitals, you may go ahead and, and want to do that. Um, I think there are complex environments today, of course, geo politically for us and we're managing uh, that um, and then I think we have little niche areas for us like Guam you know this is that now you get to the our geography and and I think we've long been um, a place where if they want to come to mainland USA California Cedar Sinai is, is somewhere that they trust and built the relationships with the community the in, in Guam is an example we have other areas that have been strengths for us like Indonesia because of relationships to Los Angeles. So all of that little, little, I'm picking out countries, but what all that brings together is what I've learned is geography is relevant today as it was 2000 years ago. And, um, but there are caveats because, you know, I, I think you get different regional um, approaches. I mean, trying to go to, you know, I am told or the feeling has been that for us to put a lot of effort in South America and Central America, may be difficult because um, of geography. And if you go look at the map, you realize how far east <laughs> those countries are. I didn't really even realize how, and they all gravitate to Miami and to the, more to the east part of the United States. But I also think that it's such a relationship business. And so if you create the, the, the affinity with um, hospitals and physicians and, and um, providers in those countries, both for education and training, but also um, for for the patient care side of things, that we can uh, build nodes of of friendship and nodes of business uh, in those parts. I mean, LAX. I need to talk. I mean, this is we're in Los Angeles, a global city. We're connected everywhere. Sure. And I don't think health. We may not have the reputation of of it being a healthcare destination, but my God, look at it between ourselves and. UCLA, USC, um, we, we have some of the top 20 hospitals in the United States all in our neighborhood, you know, very close. And I don't mean to exclude any of the great other healthcare facilities in Los Angeles. So, so I, I do think that, you know, and, and what an amazing city to be in if, if you're, you know, 
kind of um, seeking health and wellness and that sort of thing. So we're trying to build off of our local community and connecting it to glo globally. And it comes in, in many areas. Um, and, and I could go on and on about our strategy and how I think there are opportunities at the market is providing itself and it's shifting, right? I mean, when you've got Eastern Europe in such turmoil um, and yeah. Northern Eastern Europe, Central Asia, we're not shying away from it. We have, uh, you know, I, I think we're in the business of um, creating these offices or nodes or people that um, work on our behalf. Um, and that comes from marketing to um, business development, to patient referral, patient acquisition. And, you know, we're, we have, working on now we're starting one in georgia and tbilisi georgia as an anchor for the caucuses and i believe that's going to help in that region um certainly and also in singapore and indonesia and, and that tie so um you know i i think i apologize it's uh that's no, fine obviously i'm at a hospital so uh, yeah obviously but um yeah so i i guess that you know i think that there are areas of our sort of new frontiers that we're pushing forward and then you have our stalwart areas where we focus strategically like the, the gulf countries are our, our neighboring countries in china it's a bit of a mixture of both i uh, can turn your volume back up a little bit i think you might have turned it turned it down um last question uh doing doing my homework before before today i saw that um you uh, went to Dubai in January, and there was a uh, Arab Health Week. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, Arab Health is a, is on the counter for anyone that's um, doing uh, healthcare business, probably in the region. It's it's not a. It's called Arab Health. It's oddly enough, I think it's if not the biggest, one of the biggest healthcare trade shows in the world. It's really a crossroads of, which like Dubai is, you know, crossroads of Middle East, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Um, and those, and it's everything from selling equipment to hospital partnerships to clinical stuff. So that's on, that's one of the major events on the calendar each year. Um, and we look forward to that. Sometimes I feel like it's a bit of FOMO, you know, and we all, we have booths and we don't want to miss out on it. And it's hard to capture because it is truly a massive chaotic week and it's hard you know i think everyone has you know their, their 50 meetings on the counter and how much traction do you really get i think for me i love to catch up with my colleagues i first started there in 2008 actually we um i, I with one of my colleagues we co-hosted and organized the first part in vascular because they do have the sideline clinical it's not known for it programs and um we did that, and that's when Hopkins was getting really. We we were managing hospitals there in the UAE. So, but yeah, no, we're still. That's on the calendar. Recently, we had the IHF, the International Hospital Federation. They're based in Geneva. There, they, there are U.S. hospital participation uh, in that group. It's a. I find it more Eurocentric, and maybe um, other parts of the world. Uh, Ron Lavater is a colleague of mine. is an American healthcare executive. Has been overseas. He's now at the helm, the CEO of the IHF. They just held it in Dubai, which is not a. It's nothing to do. It's just random. So I thought you were that, that was just uh, this in November, and that was nice. Um, you know, they they tend to have in different parts of the world every year. It happened to be Dubai this year. So yeah, it's been a, a lot of travel there. Certainly the World Cup. I was going to ask you, did you go? Yeah, I was there. I. I uh, I managed to go to our first USA game against Wales, and then I was there for the amazing upset of, of Saudi Arabia over Argentina. I was at the game; it was crazy. Just uh, 
I, I went to a couple, I was there because our hospital, our affiliates are, are you know, in this opening, we're like in this pre-commissioning phase. And so the timing of, of that was, uh, you know, fortuitous in the sense of getting to go to a couple games. It was well-organized. It was awesome experience. Um, I, I wished I had kind of done a better job of planning. Um, I am a soccer fan and uh, is, is to spend more time and, because there'll probably be another time where you can you, know, you can really hunker down and go to a game and take your family every day. Uh, you can even go to two games in a day because there's eight stadiums within an hour. I mean, everyone knows this, but and and we knew it, but you don't really. I felt it when I was. I was like, oh my god, this is different. There'll never be a World Cup like this where you can do that. Um, but we're looking forward to having it here in the U.S. Um, you know, in four years, and this has been a great, great World Cup. It's exciting. Well, that's awesome. Dr. Soon, you've been more than generous with your time. I really appreciate it. Um, Sam uh, will reach out to you and let you know when this airs, but uh, when the pod drops, as they say. <laughs> but uh, I, it's it's just, I find this stuff fascinating. And you're, you are literally the only person that I get to talk to about international medicine. Everything is usually, you know, domestic. So, yeah, it's well. You're in, and a lot of the stuff you're focused on is it's important to people in the backyards and at home. And so, I think it's just fun, fun to do it. And uh, I'm glad you're sticking with it. You know, glad you guys are sticking with with this, and uh, and then also um, bringing some light to what hospitals are doing internationally. So I'm happy to do it. Every, you know, every now and then, it's great. On behalf of all of us at Darwin Research Group, thanks for listening. Healthcare Rounds is produced and engineered by me, Sam Yates, with theme music by John Marchica. Darwin Research Group leverages the power of information to enhance human health by providing advanced market intelligence and in-depth customer insights to healthcare executives. Our strategic focus is on healthcare delivery systems and the global shift toward value-based care. Check us out at darwinresearch.com. See you next round!